Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 104 of Horror Business. Business. Yes, that's what I said. Business. Business. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> and today Fuck. on this episode, we, we are joined by extremely special guest of the – now, I feel as an edge man saying the name of this band, I have to like do like a little – uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Air quotes? Tr- air quote? No, not air quotes. Like, um, I can't condone the use of drugs, school <laughs> or otherwise. That's ridiculous. It is. And I'm being ridiculous. We are joined by Josh Jerka of School Drugs. How are you today, Josh? I'm good. You could, you could put on air sunglasses like you're too, uh, too cool for it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like air sunglasses. Yeah. The, the deal and, uh, with the sunglasses. What's that? Oh, yeah, the deal with it. Yeah, where they, yeah, you they make this look good. On. And today we're going to be talking about two extremely horny vampire movies <laughs> uh, 2009's Thirst and 2019's Thirst. <laughs> 10 years apart, light years apart in quality. <laughs> They're very different movies. Can we, yes. can we call this? Can we title this episode "Thirst Things First? Oh, yes. God damn it. <laughs> yes. Also, also, shout out to my friend, uh, Mikey Alfers, who's in a band called Thirst Things First. So I, I didn't actually think of that. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I stole appreci- it. I, appre- I appreciate you being courteous enough to admit that you didn't come up with that. It's too smart. It's too smart for me to think of. It's very clever, yeah. It's also too appropriate to not use now. Yeah. So uh, this episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by you, our Patreon people. Um, We don't do this for money. We don't make any money. But running a podcast site and, uh, you know, whatever Cinepunks is running that, there there is money involved, unfortunately. There is cost involved. So your support, your patronage, your monthly donations help keep us afloat. And you help make running a podcast network just a little bit less strenuous in our wallets. So we thank you. Um, if you are interested in becoming a patron, you can head to www.patreon.com backslash backslash Cinepunks. <laughs> and you can, you know, you can just sign up, give or whatever you want a month, like a dollar, five dollars, a hundred dollars a month. I don't care. Either way, if you want to help out, that's what to do. Patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. I did it again. Cinepunks. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by the fine folks at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, Liam. Yeah. If I said to you, I want to get a t-shirt that had Garfield bending over and you could see his actual asshole and it said Mondays can get fucked shovel lasagna up my ass 
I might discourage you. I might, I might discourage you. But once you made it clear that you wouldn't be discouraged, as you always do, because you are a stubborn monster, I would send I you to the good people at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Excellent. And why is that? Because they offer the most professional and most personable service. I can't with Josh laughing. It's so good. Uh, service uh, in the screen printing world. They will uh, take your design idea, which is just unacceptable, and turn it into something, you know, maybe a little less awful. And also print it on a very comfortable shirt or dad hat or stockings. I don't know. I don't Bandana? Yeah, bandana. Yes. That sounds good. A do-rag. No, no, no. They sound like the kind of quality company that would also suggest to you that the O in Mondays is actually Garfield's asshole. Yes, yes they yes. would do that. They, they would, would. They would That's come up fair. with that. That's good. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, XLVACX.com. I'm sorry. What, what was the web? What was the the thing? That X, XLVACX.com. XLVACX. Yes, I know. I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead, say it. Say what? Chris Reject is not straight edge. No, I don't have to say that. It's the truth. <laughs> the world knows that. Yeah, we love Chris and the people over at LVAC, and it's fine that he's not straight edge, and it's just because of the Las Vegas activities club or some shit. I don't fucking know. That's right, and that's all we we're gonna say about that. Uh, hey, can I talk about our other sponsor, Essex Coffee Roasters? I permit you to do so. All right. I, I'm not going to bore you guys with this. Uh, if you're one of our supporters on Patreon, you've got that coffee coming in the mail. I've actually been sending them out, unlike many promises I've made about our Patreon. So I feel pretty good about that. I hope you enjoy that coffee. If you haven't gotten coffee yet, check your Patreon to make sure you've added your address. If you have not included your address, then I can't send you coffee because I am not magical. Uh, so I cannot do that. So our friends over at Essex Coffee Roasters are uh, offering you at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com uh, the freshest possible coffee experience. Uh, they roast your coffee to order. They offer the highest quality beans. And they're invested in demystifying quality coffee. Uh uh, our our man is uh, Aaron Dahlbeck. Is he's not an elitist. He's not out here trying to alienate people from good coffee. He's trying to make it easier for you to get good coffee as well as high quality tea and awesome merch. So head out over to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com, order you know coffee, tea, a hoodie, whatever it is. On your way out, there's going to be a discount code section. Don't you fucking forget to do this part. In that section, you're going to want to write C I N E P U N X. All caps. That's going to get 10% off your order. I mean, literally, you'd be a jerk off not to do it. That's that's how it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so rough. I don't mean to be so rough with you, our faithful <laughs> listener. And yet here we are. And I'm wondering at why you are being a jerk off by not using the code when you get coffee from Essence Coffee Roasters. Okay, I'm done. EssenceCoffeeRoasters.com. Thank you. Are they going to hook you guys up with like your own your own? Cinnapunks coffee, C-I-N-N-A. Oh, I mean, we actually have a coffee that we are sending out to people that is our special blend. It is the Santa... Is it called Cinnapunks, C-I-N-N-A? No, it's called Santa Cafe, wow. after the Alejandro Jodorowsky movie, Santa Sangre. Uh, and it, the design is by uh, my man, Haunt Love. And uh, it's literally like stuff from the movie over a cup of coffee. It's pretty cool. 
demystifying right. coffee by naming it after a fucking Yodorowsky film. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that was our choice and not Dahlbeck's. <laughs> uh, but come on. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. He's a little too highbrow for you, Justin, but uh, Yodorowsky. I'm sorry, who's, high, who's highbrow for me? Yodorowsky is one of the, as far as I'm concerned, founding fathers of this website. So mm-hmm. there you go. Hey, at least he hasn't called him Jodorowsky yet. Oh, I can't stop. I, I So uh, this is something you might not know, Josh, or maybe you do, that I have a Jodorowsky website, or website, sorry, podcast called Jodorowsky. <laughs> and on that, I notoriously cannot pick one way to say the man's name. I've said Jodo. I've said Yodo. I've said Hodo. I can't. I don't know what to do. No one can agree. It's if you watch a documentary that the Dune documentary, everyone says it different. I watch the special features, everyone says it different. I don't know what the fuck to do, man. I wish I, I wish I knew him. I do could you just also call enjoy him jalapenos. Ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> here's a, but here's the thing: the name is not Spanish. The name is is uh, where is he from again? Is he Russian or Polish? I don't remember. Is he, is he French? No, he's a. Uh, I, he, I I only know his like. Uh, I know, I know Yodorowsky more from his work with like Mobius. Sure. Yeah. And like he, on like the Inkle. He. Uh, so this is the thing. He uh, spent time in like he uh, spent time in France um, because he studied mime. That was one of the things he did before he started making movies. He studied. He studied mime. Hmm. How eccentric. I mean, he's the, I, I, here's the thing that you could make all kinds of weird eccentricity jokes about him, but they'd all be just accurate descriptions of his weird fucking life. He's had the weirdest like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not even going to get into it because it would bore half of our audience and the other half already because it would take up things. a whole podcast. And you yeah. already have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, in that I, I think what's interesting about the people who listen to Har Business is like half of them don't care about this and the other half already know it because <laughs> we just we split it like that, you know? We keep it real, as they say. Do we keep it real? I don't know. I I definitely don't. Definitely keep it real thirsty. (laughs) So I watched both these fucking things. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get deep into uh into these thirsty horny movies. Now, so thirsty, so very thirsty. Norm, normally, this is the time in the podcast when I would say to Liam, Liam, I am a thousand-year-old gay vampire who <laughs> uh, is a weird skeleton person who lives in a car. Uh, I can't even, I, I can't even come up with anything funny to say about this. Um. This is where I would normally ask Liam what he's done involving Har recently. But we have a guest today. We have a guest on this episode. We have our, we, we have Josh on. So I asked Josh, Josh, what have you done involving Har recently? I mean, recently I watched Thirst, two of them. <laughs> that <laughs> that was the most <laughs> recent. Other than Thirst, have you watched or read or participated in anything horror related? If this is if this is the segue into I was in Uncle Peckerhead, I was in Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> Who were you in Uncle Peckerhead? Uh, metalhead number two, the the much beloved Metalhead number two. Oh yes, the guys who fucked around and found out in the parking lot. 
we definitely fucked around and found out. I love that you were number two because I thought number three was a real dick. I thought I thought that I got more uh, screen time, and I thought that I was my performance was just you know that much better than Metalhead number ones, but somehow I get number two. Uh, while we do find this information very helpful for our lives, it well, wasn't actually the question because this Damn, is sort of Liam. The, well, I'm just saying this is Justin's way of getting at uh, talking about new movies other than the movies we're talking about. Uh, unfortunately, I also have not done anything horror related uh, because I just haven't had time. So I feel like this might be just Justin checking in on the various horror movies he's been watching. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, buddy. Well, Josh, Josh, have you watched anything like cool recently? Anything new? Not horror movies, because so to to break all kayfabe, I'm not the world's biggest horror fan. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's so. Horror movies not usually my go-to, just for no other reason than I just it's just not really it. I mean, I I've I like things about like the two movies that you guys picked for me for for this thing to uh talk about um aside from them being horror which i'm sure we will discuss very shortly but uh no generally i'm not like the world's biggest horror guy the last movie i watched was cruella oh (laughs) liam loved that movie I mean, Liam's got me beat because I saw his story. The last thing that he watched was Trolls. Hmm. Oh, like like the Trolls World Tour. Yeah. Yeah, man. I took my my daughter to see it, and uh, I got all emotional about it, the end part. And I was like, I know I haven't had a lot of sleep lately, but this is weird. Like, I don't know why this is, like, getting to me. But when they're all singing at the end, I was kind of like – yeah, okay, I, I get it. I feel you, trolls. Up there. I actually you. did want I actually I saw that that story and actually did want to talk to you about that because I've definitely had the same exact thing for like a movie or a song that isn't very good. But yeah. It, but it just hits like it's it's almost has like a emotional junk food quality sure. to it. It just hits the exact fucking right thing at the right time on the right day, and you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> The, 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 it is the power and magic of friendship. I mean, yeah. Well, don't get me started about the power and magic of friendship because <laughs> my daughter is a big uh, My Little Pony, whatever the new one is called, fan. And so I've watched that with her. And like at first it was like, well, oh, this is some crap she likes. And then somewhere around like season six, I'm like getting very invested in the characters and stuff and being like, oh, that's pretty good, actually. I think I kind of like this. And then we watched the movie and oh, man, I, I really could just do a nerdy podcast. It's like uh, parents who get sucked into their kids shows, you know, like it only happens every once in a while because a lot of stuff. Most kids entertainment is as terrible as adults think it is. Uh, but that's why I like the ones that aren't. They like stick out. They're like jewels in the rough or something, you know? It's like, oh, wait, this doesn't make me want to die. That's pretty great, you know? And I get kind of invested in it. Yeah, there's there's a, a few of those things like, you know, the first thing that comes to mind in that respect is like Batman the Animated Series. It's for kids, but it's fucking fantastic. Oh, my it's God, so yeah. It's so good. It's so Anyone can good. watch it. The X-Men cartoon is the exact same way. The Spider-Man cartoons in retrospect is a little bit hokier. It's right. 
not nearly as good as the the X-Men cartoon, but has a similar thing. Star Wars. Fucking, like, all the Star Wars cartoons are like that. It's, like, for kids, but still good writing and, and decent storytelling. I'm at the point now where I don't even know, and we'll get back to horror in a second here, guys, for, for the listeners, but I don't even know how much the... Sorry. It's okay. I don't know how much the Star Wars cartoons even are for kids at this point. Like, I've watched some of them and thought, like, that that below a certain age, kids would be bored. You know what I mean? Like, that, that sometimes they get so intricate with some of the Star Wars stuff that I'm like, do kids even like this? Is this a thing that kids are stoked on? I can't. I don't know. Well, that, I don't know that's, that's, like the, the, that's like the prequel joke. Like, you know what kids are into taxation right right right, and right, trade right. embargoes right right right, right, right. <laughs> kids love it well there's a there's one of the shows that she that my daughter does love that i really love is a show called bluey and so i'm sure most of our audience is like bummed on this whole conversation but for those of you who do like kids stuff i can't recommend bluey enough but i will say that one of the things when i was so amazed that this show was like actually entertaining but like cute is that like they they interviewed the maker of the show and like they were like oh you know did you when you were making this show try to make it palatable for adults and he's like oh the show actually is for parents it's uh to help parents be less crappy parents and then we just had to work to make it amusing for children and i was like oh fuck oh no he really got me with the show Because it really is. I mean, the parents are super cute and they play with their kids and it's really cool. And I thought I was just like connecting with a kid show. It turns out I was being tricked. <laughs> they got you. They, they fucking, fucking got, got me. Um, yeah, I've watched a lot of stuff lately, but uh, less less horror stuff, uh, really. And I apologize. For that. I will say the one thing that occurred to me is uh, I started reading the new Grady Hendrix novel, uh, The Final Girl Support Group. Uh, cool. And I haven't gotten very far yet because I'm trying to read it at the same time that my wife is reading it. So we're sort of trading it back and forth. Uh, but so far, it's pretty good. And, you know, we're we're big fans of Grady on this podcast. Actually, I don't know if you feel that way, but that's how I feel. So I'm pretty excited. Way uh, to throw me under the fucking bus. Well, I don't know. We haven't talked about it. Have you read oh, f- have you read his other books yet? I don't know. No, I don't even I don't like Grady Hendrix, apparently. I. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn. That's okay. I'll take it. It's fine. You hate Grady Hendrix. I'm okay. I do. Have you read his other books? We haven't talked about it on the podcast. No, of course I haven't. Oh, have you really not? No, I guess not. Oh my God. I hate <laughs> you so much. Josh and uh, Josh. Uh, Justin, what have you done that's horror related? Well, um, this isn't horror technically, but I still want to talk about it. I saw The Green Knight. Uh, oh, how yeah. the fuck was that, though? Uh... Because they really want me to see it. They keep fucking. It's it, every two seconds. There's a there's a commercial or a it's preview very for it. good. It put me in a state of where like, um, the best way I can describe it is like, it's not a horror movie. There's a lot of like weird imagery in it, and I think the whole idea of the Green Knight as this like terrifying bit of otherness just intruding into everyday life has like horror elements to it like there's this like weird like trickster mentality to it that that is is definitely ominous but the whole movie has such this weird dreamy vibe to it that i felt like i was being hypnotized into thinking that everything i saw was a threat 
Um, it sounds felt, fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what it is. And then there's like, there's this scene in the trailer where there's just a giant hand reaching over like the rock wall. When that scene happened, I had been so lulled into this like tense, like paranoid, like rabbit in a snare mentality that when that happened, like my heart seized up and I was like, I'm not fucking ready for this. And then just, I don't know. It was just, it was just this very surreal, like folksy, vaguely Lynchian mind fuck that I don't, it was just like, it was over. And I was just like, uh, am I okay? It's just, I, I think I got to go, you know, it's just like, it just, I don't know. I, I, I just felt like weirdly unsafe after watching it. If Where that did makes you any watch sense. it uh, Just in a, like a regular theater. Okay. I was wondering, I want to know if you watched it like on a streaming or if it was actually in the movies. Oh no, it was, yeah, it was, it was in the movies. I, uh, is it I, worth the experience of going to the movies right now yes, to see it? Okay. it? It absolutely is. If only because if you see it with like a bunch of other people, there's going to be a couple people that really hate it and, and, and are loud about it, which is the best huh. part of any movie like that. Yeah. I was like wondering how that was going to be. Like it, it looked really good. It had a really interesting trailer. Yeah. Like the, the trailer alone at like, you know, they, when you're trying to watch something on YouTube and they have the fucking two minute preview of something pop up and you're like, oh, fucking come on, trying to like click through it. And it, they actually did a real good job of grabbing me and I watched the whole two minute trailer. And I was like, I have no fucking clue what this is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it seems even, interesting. even having read like the story when I was a little kid, like the very like dumbed down, like child eyes version of it. Even watching it, I was like, I don't know what's about to happen. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know where this is going. It was just. Just really, again, like very like folk horror esque thing um, that was all about just like dealing with. Like inner turmoil and then like an external weirdness that had just like walked into your life and just fucked it up. Huh. So it's highly, highly recommended. I mean, I'm into that. Isn't that that's a uh, A24 or whatever? Yep. The yep. Production company is. Um, and I, I've, I've, I haven't seen like a ton of the ton of their the stuff they've done, but I've, I've heard that they're they're pretty hit or miss. But that actually that actually tracks really well with uh, some people. Like, if you go with a group of people, some people are going to hate it, and some people are going to really like it because, like, I went with some friends that saw uncut gems and like I fucking loved uncut gems. And then two of my friends that we went with fucking hated uncut gems. How do you hate that movie? It's so good. It's unfucking believable. It's the best thing Adam Sandler's ever done. Accurate. Yes. I I I yeah. Yeah it is. I I I still have a lot of love for Punch Drunk Love, but uncut gems is just such another level like like and, and i think that <sighs> he's really good in um it, it's totally fucking weird it, uh men women and children oh yeah yeah i agree he's with only that. in it for a little bit but yeah but he's fucking great in that too it's yeah somewhat similar to his performance in 
uncut I, gems. I also think, yeah, that's true. Uh, I also think that um, what is that movie called? Funny People is is underrated. Uh, I I think it's one of his one of his better performances, but. Uh, I mean, in a way, we're all sort of dancing around the idea that later comedic Adam Sandler is not really killing it as of late. But oh, well, Justin, what else did you do that was horror related? Uh, I went to a few showings at the Mahoning Drive-In. I went to Christmas in July and saw Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, which was fun. Um, I went to their schlock, schlock weekend. Um, Schlockerama. Schlockerama saw uh, Todd Browning's Freaks. Always a pleasure. I fucking love that movie. I saw The Tingler. Never seen it. I hear it's like really silly. Like it's like amazing. Oh, silly. did they did they do the whole thing though? They did. Yeah, Maya. <laughs> really? My, um, oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, after this, I'm gonna start following you on social media, and I put up the I put up. On um on Instagram, the moment when they did like the ladies and gentlemen, that's please so don't panic. Cool. But like that's so uh, fucking cool. Yeah, it was it was literally because I remember reading about that when I was a kid, and I've always been like kind of fascinated like William Castle's bullshit. And I was like, how are they going to pull this off? And then they did, and it was just it was so much fun. Um, I love that. That's so I love awesome. It. I love my, it. My buddy uh, Frank was was talking about that. He actually went to he saw like the original Tangler. Like he, we went and was there when they did it, you know, in, I guess, New York. Oh, man. That's crazy. Um, I also saw the 1953 War of the Worlds uh, last night uh, at the Mahoning to end to, to cap off Schlockerama. That was, you know, that's a, an insane movie that I think gets written off as like cheesy B-movie bullshit too much. Um and then I watched a movie called The Boy Behind the Door on the recommendation of <laughs> of fellow Cinepunk Adriana Gober. Liam, did you watch this? No, I really want to, but I haven't had time. I am just trying to get caught up for recording stuff. Yeah, it um I hear it's real upsetting. Don't watch it. You're a father. Don't watch it. <laughs> oh, I broke that. The literally, you remember this? The week after Maeve was born, we went to, or not the week, uh, but like not that long after Maeve was born, we went to uh, Brooklyn Horror Film Fest, and I watched a little movie called Hagazusa. Uh, oh yes. Uh, spoilers, y'all. There's baby eating in that movie. Fuck. <laughs> Oh man, I was really pushing my new dad buttons. The the best way I can describe this movie is if you took the baseball baseball boy scene from Doctor Sleep and then diluted that into 90 minutes of like if you took that one shocking moment and then diluted it into 90 minutes, that's that's this movie. Like T- tied in like mixed in with this like this really amazing sense of like first off the two kids the two actors that are amazing uh and then on top of that it's like the thing that makes this movie so sad is that like oh these two kids they're prepared to die for each other like their whole thing is like if if, if we both can't get out of this situation then we're both dying because we're not leaving each other behind. That's really fucking moving. It's really tender story there. The flip side of that coin is 
you're looking at two 12 year old kids staring mortality in the face and being like, we might die. And if he dies, I die. And then the way they react to that is fucking heartbreaking. Uh, it's just a very intense, very emotional movie. Um, I think Adriana mentioned it in our in our group chat. There's a few like things in it where you're like, like uh, involving like that's uh, nah, a spoiler, but it's like like a little technical thing. Like why don't they just do this? And they, she, like, there's she, a, she said logistical stuff. That not yeah, all the logistics yeah, makes sense. Yes, yeah. like you have to like look past that, and like I very easily did. But like holy shit, if you can like make it through that movie, it's rewarding as all hell. No, I'm, no dogs die in it. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Children can children can die. Dogs can. Yeah, die. Ch- children can be put through the fucking ringer, but if they if they even cast a mean look at a dog, I'm a, I'm 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 writing a letter. Oh, you know, I did watch a movie that you brought up on here. Uh, speaking of uh, animals dying, unfortunately, uh, I watched Pig. What did you think? It's beautiful. It's an unbelievable film. It's yeah. Just a fucking, you know, ever don't listen to all these people saying it's like uh, it's like Nick Cage's John Wick. But it's you literally know, nothing like that. No, there's no really there's it's not an action movie. You know, Nicolas Cage is a chef. He used to be a chef. Now he lives in the woods with a pig and they take his pig and he's real upset about it. And then he, he tries to get his pig back. That, you know, there's no shooting, there's no acrobatics, there's no way. He's just a sad old man who wants his <laughs> he pig. Cook, he cooks food that is so good that it breaks people's spirits. That's how he's like, I, you know, instead of shooting them, he's like, here's a meal that's so good, it'll ruin your fucking life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it sounds like just a joke, I mean, but that's the, literally Isn't that actually happens. the... Go ahead. If you replace pig with dog, isn't that John Wick, though? But that's this is the problem. As soon as you say John Wick, people think Nick Cage is doing flips and shooting Russians in the head. And there's nothing like it's the pacing of the movie is very slow and introspective. And there's a lot of like, you know, um, setting a mood. And so I think, you know, I've read quite a few reviews that were like, this isn't exciting at all. And I'm like. Well, that's your own dumb fault. <laughs> that's not the movie. Never promised you. It's like the same excitement. call to action. Yeah, yeah. it's like I the mean, same call it, to action, but it's not the it's same. It's an, plot. it's an. It's in. I I think it has the whole idea of like, it deals with loss and grief in a way that's albeit right. a little more nuanced than John Wick. Um, but when when I make the when I said about like how he makes someone a meal that's so good it breaks their spirit, that happens in this movie, and it's it's not right. played for like comedy or like no over the top it's just like oh this was the best meal you've ever had i'm gonna make it for you again to show you like i'm i mean business and i don't know it, it, it's just like it, it it was it was definitely marketed as like a john wick style movie but it really all the only thing it has in common is that an animal goes missing and someone wants it back that's right that's it well and i also think like you could say that you know, as soon as John Wick starts shooting, the whole series is no longer that particularly interested in grief. It's like, you know, there's a solution to grief in John Wick. It's break the guns out and become the Baba Yaga again. Like, then, yeah, pro- you know, problem solved. And uh, and in this movie, there is no solution to grief. 
<laughs> and no, it's, it, it's going to touch you where you feel grief too, by the way. So be ready for that. If you're watching this movie, it's uh, it was good. It was, it was beautiful. I really, it's yet another reminder that if it wasn't for tax problems, Nicholas Cage might be one of the most respected actors of our time. Oh God. I mean, it's that just true. It's just true. Right. Every I've time, grave. every time he takes a role seriously, he's great. And every time he doesn't, it's a bummer. And I get that for a lot of people. That's the joy of Nicolas Cage is just you don't know. It's like it's like, uh, you know, those like uh, jelly bean containers where some of the jelly beans taste like puke. It's like that. Only the highs are even higher than that. It's like you're either going to get truly a transcendent performance or you're going to wish you weren't watching this thing. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that people like that kind of variety. But for me personally, I just wish he had the freedom to more often choose movies like this. And if you're thinking like, well, how do you know he cared about this movie? He produced this movie. This was just a script. And until Nicolas Cage not only signed on to be in it, but then forked over money and helmed it and got it connected, this movie wasn't going to happen. And he made it happen because he believed in it that much. And you can tell that from his performance. He shows the fuck up in this movie. And it's it's really great. So I don't want to derail us with more non-horror talk. It's just I remembered you had brought it up. And I just that's a movie that I can't recommend enough. Excellent. Um, yeah, other than that, I didn't really do much horror. So cool. I guess we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 2009's South Korean uh, horny, 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 horny movie. Very horny movie. Thirst. We'll be right back. Talk about Park Chan Wook's 2009 vampire movie, Thirst, originally titled. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but it means bat in Korean. Um, oh, I didn't know that. 
Well, now you do. Wow. <laughs> How cool is that? Why you got to be a jerk? <laughs> uh, so this movie, I've actually wanted to see this movie for shit. I clicked the wrong button and an ad came up. Um, <laughs> I wanted to see this movie for a minute now because, A, I like the director. B, I like the, ma- the main actor in this movie. And C, I don't know. It just it looked like a neat movie. And my God in heaven, uh, this – I think this movie is about Catholic guilt, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. That is fucking interesting. Yeah. Um, there was a lot going on in this movie that I thought was like super fascinating. Um, uh-huh. The first thing I want to talk about is the depiction of uh, the way like suicide is it, suicide and damnation are spoken about in this movie. It's a big um, theme. It's a huge theme. Like it's so. They lay it out pretty early too with the the confessional. Yeah that that was the part that like when he says like um, oh, I forget the quote but it's something about like you're petitioning for Satan against God or whatever. Um. He basically tells her to like knock it off, like quit quit thinking about killing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Do twenty Hail Marys and take a cold shower, yeah. I believe is the quote. Yeah, and then she throws it back at him too. Yeah, what what does she say to him? So basically like like, you know, worry about the fucking prayers and, and shit like that, and I'll, you know, worry about the rest of my life. That kind of Oh yes, yes. That kind of thing. Uh, so I think this movie it, it also dives into like the sensuality that's present in like a lot of uh, a lot of vampire movies. Uh, the fact that they the fact that the main character is a priest and it adds that sort of extra sense of like the forbidden lust to the whole story because you look at the original Dracula and like um, Mina Harker wanted to fuck Gary Oldman who was Dracula. But she couldn't because, you know, she's fucking getting married to lame old Jonathan Harker. Uh, I love the fact that in this movie they made it like this dude was so fucking horny and wanted to fuck so bad that he was willing. Like he still believed like that's the thing is like it's not like he forsook he forsook his faith like this dude was still like, no, hell is real and we're going there, but we should still bang. And. I just thought that was like a very uh, raw and unlovely view of sensuality in like a vampire movie. I think there's something to the suicide theme, too, because I think I think what we're meant to take is his decision to go to the lab is really a decision. I mean, I think. This isn't a reach either because this is based off of some of what the director said about the film. But I think for the director, the desire to martyrdom and the desire to suicide are kind of the same thing. You know, yeah, it's it's One, the more, it's the it's like a romanization romanization of death. Yeah, and so this yeah the reason he's so tough on this lady who's thinking about suicide is because that's what you do when someone brings up a thing that is your thing, right? And we all do it in big and small ways. Is someone says that you know they're just sharing a bit of vulnerability, and you're like, oh shit, that's what I think. 
subconsciously or consciously. And so you're like real tough on that because you're being tough with yourself. And I think his decision to go to that fucking lab is his, he, you know, he feels like his prayers are futile. You know, he talks about that in the movie and he doesn't feel connected to this thing he's dedicated his life to. And so he thinks he's pursuing meaning at the lab and he keeps trying to reassure himself of that after he becomes a vampire. But he really is just looking for death. He's just ready to die. And then he doesn't get death. He gets uh, eternal life, basically. Quite the only, only at the pain of other people. So now, now it's like before he was too faithless to live. But now he has to hurt other people or maybe not hurt, but live off of other people. There, I don't know. I just think there's an interesting parallel there in what the director's doing. So do you do you think perchance that uh do you think that maybe this is like divine retribution for his uh for his 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 uh secret internal sins I guess his 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 desire to die I don't know I think I think really this was just a way for the director to do a vampire film without having to have like the like I mean with the priest and the woman, there's a kind of seduction. But if you're really paying attention, it's the other way around. She seduces him. Like, yeah. like it, it, in a way, this is uh, Park Chan Wook is. Uh, and and uh, I, I just want to mention, I never know. So in a, in the U.S., we always say Park Chan Wook, but I've also seen it Chan Wook Park because the way that. Uh, not just Korean, but uh, a few East Asian names work. It's like, what is the what comes first and what comes second. I don't know what you're supposed to do. So if, if we're wrong in saying Park Chan-wook, I, I apologize. That's just, that's how I see it written, but I, I don't know that that's actually correct. You know, I've seen people do it the other way too. Uh, anyways, I think he's trying to like turn all these vampire things on its head. So it's like he becomes a vampire through medical science. And then the one person he like converts instead of him seducing her, she's really seducing him. She's tricking him the whole time. Uh, and then when he does turn her, it's like not sexy vampire turning at all. It's like very awkward. I mean, that's the other thing about this movie. This is a horny movie, but it's awkwardly horny. It's not horny and like, a, you know, oftentimes in like Hollywood films, everyone fucking looks like they're having the perfect time and they're very good and they never look like disturbed at all. Like everything is very smooth and normal and everything that happens in this movie is awkward. Even when like, and, and I, I think there's supposed to be humor in that. I think Park Chan-wook is a funny guy and I think we're supposed to think it's funny. Like when he's licking her armpit, I don't think that's just awkward. I think it's also supposed to be like a source of comedy. It's definitely, yeah. there's definitely a lot of virgin sex happening. Yes. <laughs> and like, and I feel I, I was going to bring up the same thing that like there are, there's a lot of parts in this thing where I was like this is supposed to be funny right like this this is yes, supposed because yes. I am laughing I am laughing audibly. <laughs> um, you know what we didn't do was uh, just ask what what you thought of the movie, Josh. What what did you? I feel like you, you know me and Justin. I've seen this before, and Justin was excited to see it because of who the director was. Josh, what did you, this hit you out of the blue? You had no idea what to expect, other than from the name. I, I bet you could bet it was a vampire movie. What did you think of Thirst? I initially didn't think vampire movie for some reason. <laughs> I, just, I was like, I don't know what Thirst is going to be, and I tried to go into both of these without seeing anything about it. Like, I didn't want to read the description. I didn't want to see the fucking like, poster. I wanted to just, it's written on the thing, click it, go. Uh, 
and I, I unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately, caught the, you know, old, like from the director of Old Boy, and I was like, oh, oh, this is great. Like, I, I love Old Boy. This is going to be, and which I admittedly haven't seen probably anything else of of uh, his other than Old Boy, but uh, there's. I, again, haven't seen enough to say that I get his style or he has a style, but I saw some kinship between the two. Sure. In, in maybe his use of color in, in, in certain respects and the over-saturated of, of red sometimes versus other times because it's not super consistent when the blood is the bright, bright red versus a slightly like more realistic darker sure. kind of red but uh overall I, I really enjoyed it it was almost two movies too it, right around the halfway point I got up to like go get food or water and I paused it I'm like oh this thing's got to be close to being over and it was like oh shit there's still you know an hour or so left and that's kind of when it takes its own uh, takes a like another turn. It starts to move towards when they're uh, uh, turning her into a vampire and you know killing the the husband and everything else. Like there's a lot of setup way before a majority of the the plot even happens. Right, Justin. What did you think of the? blood metaphor whether you know what i mean like one of the most obvious connections between religion and vampirism in the movie is this like idea that he goes from drinking the blood of christ to the blood of patients <laughs> um i think it's like sort of a uh uh how can i say this um is it come is the blood supposed to be come because i got like <laughs> i got like the blood is come like there's a lot of come stuff sure yeah uh, I thought it was a neat uh, – maybe maybe this is what I took from it. Uh, I think what he wanted when he was like drinking the blood of Christ as a priest, I think he saw it as a sort of um, communion with the sacred when he was drinking the blood of Christ during communion. But we see a lot of times in this in this movie early on when he's dealing with the dead and dying, which is extremely – a lot of times kind of like not glamorous and sort of yucky and uh, he felt like he was communing with the profane. So I think like him drinking blood later on was sort of like, oh, he's always wanted to have that communion with like the divine and the sacred, except now he actually now he's drinking blood, which is what symbolically he always wanted to do, except now he's a fucking monster who has to live off the the, 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 the dying and all this shit. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how there that that you have this love story really between these two and it's it's hard because of it takes a turn. I feel like the first time I saw this movie, this is the third time I've seen it. Uh, the first time I saw it, I didn't really focus on their story as a love story because I just felt like when it's clear that she's been to some extent manipulating him, I think at the the first time I saw it, I was so focused on that feeling unfair to me that I didn't think about how it still is at its essence uh, a love story between these two people uh, but like the very thing that for him is causing 
him to hate himself and to feel like uh, like a like a failure or like a whatever sense of guilt and condemnation is like her liberation, right? Like, and I don't even just mean him becoming a vampire, but as as he is a vampire and they they start to have this affair even before he turns her, he's having all this guilt just about them having sex. But for her, this is like the most liberating thing that's ever happened. And like that weird confluence of their relationship that like for him, even though this is his desire, it's like the lowest moment in his life. And for her, it's like the highest moment, like her way out. And and smushing those two things together kind of makes me think about just a lot of ways that this movie kind of pushes two things together, right? Like him being a a vampire and a priest and the idea that like he's a priest who becomes a vampire, but he does it through science, something that we don't associate with either priests or vampires. I just think like all the, the combinations of things that feel opposed to each other is, is sort of an interesting aspect of the movie. I could fuck with that. You know, it, it, uh, Oh fuck! Well, I was gonna say something, but now it, it slipped my mind. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Talk more. Uh, well, I, the, the it almost thing- feels like there's uh, the 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 two halves of the movie. Like I was saying before, it's almost like there's like his movie and then her movie. Yeah, and like her thing doesn't really start till the second half of it. Right. It yeah, and and and, and we it doesn't really come back to feeling like his movie until like the end when it's kind of them both you know, negotiating this cliff and how they're, what they're going to do. And there's something, I I mean, I really think one of the most interesting parts of the movie, I mean, you know, everyone knows we usually do spoilers here, but just to remind people spoilers uh, is when, when at the end, when she's finally given up and she puts the shoes on, because yes. a that she's had those shoes this whole time shows her sentimentality that she, she's hasn't been using him. She clearly cares about him. And B, it's like they're one, like that image of those two pairs of shoes with the burnt legs is like them finally like together in some sense in like a total way. It's crazy. It's, 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 there's just something like aesthetically pleasing to me about that in, in, well, a, in a crazy way. What I thought was neat about this movie is uh, from a narrative point of view, like Josh said, this could very easily be two movies. You know, if we just had a movie about a priest who through a failed experiment, not unlike Dr. Michael Morbius in the upcoming Sony Pictures movie Morbius. Um, <laughs> if, if a Good priest. They, yeah, thank you. I'll be I'll, I'll be getting my, uh, my my money from Sony for that soon. Jared Leto's um, going to mail you a fucking condom around a rat or something yeah uh if there was just a movie about a priest who was maybe losing his faith and he became a vampire through some failed science experiment and had to deal with it that is awesome i would watch that movie and like i would watch that movie but then you add to it like him dealing with uh he's a priest who's dealing with like his broken vows um He's dealing with this like sensuality that he he can't push away, and then on top of that, there's this like fucked up love story, and then on top of that, it's kind of like a weird sort of um, not murder mystery, but like I I guess you you could call it like a like like a like a weird like Fargo like a neo noir movie where they have to hide all this shit from these people, um, 
And then I love in the very end, like the last one of the last lines he says is, all I wanted was to be with you forever and ever. And I guess we'll be together forever in hell. And there's just this like quiet acceptance that like as bad as things got and as fucked as things got in the end, like ultimately he's like, well, maybe we maybe, maybe we will get what I want. Yeah. And they I also just threw I, a bunch. Oh, sorry. Oh, what, what were we going to say? I was going to say they also threw a bunch of like psychological thriller elements into it yeah. towards the end too yeah. that just come out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I didn't I, I had I didn't see it coming that they were going to both be tortured by the uh, killing of the fucking husband, the whole, the whole thing. Right. That was amazing. The visual storytelling. It's because a lot of the movie is straightforward up to that point. There's not a lot of um, bending perspective in order to move the narrative forward. And then those yeah. moments, they tell you so much. The part where he's trying to have sex with her and the dude's sort of uh, dead body smiling is in the way. It's such a like such a perfect visual representation of something that you know is that that you can feel or understand you know um and and really sort of like you know he in interviews and stuff he made a big deal about how this is a love story but i think the the point of that is is to make it not super romantic right like this isn't an idealization of relationships right these are two very unhealthy people for various reasons oh yeah uh and uh and i i i kind of appreciate i don't know how you guys felt about this but i kind of appreciate the way that this female character is you know, flawed and uh, in some ways untrustworthy, but is also sort of dealing with her own, uh, you know, limitations and oppression within this family structure. And it's like, I end up feeling sympathy for her, even as I don't trust her, what she's going to do. And that combination is really hard to, I think, get at. Like we, it's a lot easier, I think, for audiences to identify with a character who we also think is like morally, mostly good, maybe not good but like better than bad and yet there are plenty of moments in this where i'm like oh she's kind of fucked up and yet i still find myself like kind of sympathizing with her and wanting something good for her you know what i mean yeah, yeah I mean, you, you never kind of know like what what to expect from her i mean right i i i get the sympathy thing for sure because it's like you you want her to be okay and you, you you there's moments where you almost think that she's going to like pull out of the the whole uh like psychosis and like issues that she's having and be okay and it's like right around the same time that you find out that like oh her husband isn't beating her or you know one one of the other sort of twists like that if that makes any sense Yes. No, it makes it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think the whole thing with like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's like darkly comical or just like utterly horrifying. Is when it's revealed uh, that her husband was when you realize that, like, when he realizes that her husband was just really fucking annoying and weird, and not necessarily like a bad guy. Because like we, the audience, when we were watching this movie, we were like, "That guy's fucking gross." Like, <laughs> he really is so gross. You know what it was like? Um, if you've watched the live action Uzumaki that came out like twenty years or so ago, sure. there's one character who's turning into a snail. That's what it reminded me of. Like, just I this agree. guy's like just like icky and just fucking 
like foul and like oh. Well, and th- th- you get both images right. Like on one hand, he clearly is not as bad as she's made him out to be. On the other hand, that mother is is terrible. Like it, it's again combining these things, right? The mother sucks. We see lots of scenes of her being shitty, and yet I get why she didn't deserve to have them murder her son as no. much as he was gross and awful. That was terrible that that happened. That, that I think there's this idea that like, uh, at least for me, when I think about uh, Park Chan-wook's movies is like movies in which characters are uh, trying to take some responsibility or trying to avoid responsibility for their actions. You know what I mean? And I feel like the, the, what ends up happening is like, both these characters have are coming to terms with what happened. Only for her, she just wants to go dark with it. Like she's just like, "All right, I'm a vampire now. Let's just murder everyone and bathe in their blood." And that's just what it is. It is what it is. That's what. That's where we're at. And he's like, "Well, I guess, guess we gotta die." You know what I mean? And in a sense, they're both taking their reality seriously. They're both making a decision. Whereas I, I feel like you could have a. American version or, or Hollywood is really what I mean version of this movie in which, you know, uh, a vampire priest is falling in love with a woman and everyone's avoiding the reality of the situation, you know, thanks to like romance and stuff, you know, we're all pretending it's going to be okay. And like, that's, I don't feel like that's what's happening in this movie at all. There's a, tra- I mean, at least, at least director has a track record of that with the American old boy. Yeah. One thing uh, that struck me in this is that like (laughs) it just what you just said right there made me think of it, how they're both dealing with this uh, newfound uh, sense of I don't want to say power, but they're like now they're now something more than human. They're they're more than what they were. And. It's established early on that she is like a devout atheist who doesn't believe in anything after this, whereas he is not. And it's interesting that when they're faced with uh, – when they're both faced with these ideas of they they are no longer bound by the rules of, of like society and the social contract. Like they can do whatever they want. And it's interesting that his impulse is we have to die because of this, whereas her impulse is – anything goes and she just uh, on a whim just is like not just because like he resents killing whereas like she takes a certain like fucked up glee in it and i don't know what the director or the writer was like trying to say about that like weird absolutist sense of morality but i did think it was interesting that that was their that was the with the two characters like that was that was the two choices that we saw in this movie was we have to die for these sins or um, there is no sins, and we can do whatever we want. I just, I, I, I thought that was a a neat choice to to present. Well, it's it's interesting. I, I I read a little bit of him talking about this movie, and you know, he's not explaining things per se, but he did grow up Catholic and went to Catholic school and went to uh, a Jesuit college, and you know, uh, has dealt with these religious themes in his other movies. If you guys have seen uh, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, there's a lot of various religious stuff going on in that film. And, and, and that's a big part of the culture in South Korea uh, is the influence of Christianity uh, interacting with the other faith traditions there. Uh, but I, I get the feeling that 
he didn't want to resolve the morality question. Like he wanted the characters to take seriously where they were coming from. But I don't know that he's invested in solving for the audience. Like we definitely see that with the older priest, right? That convictions can can be corrupted, right? That that this older priest is like ready to become a vampire just so he can see again. And in some ways, that's that's also a little sympathetic, you know, like he wants to be able to see like I understand that. But there's also a sense in which how willing is he to like give up whatever to achieve that, you know, and, and, and to even have it be something he's concerned with because it's right after he's confessing some of the things that he's done, you know, that were terrible, like his murder, uh, him murdering the husband and stuff that that it comes across like a like a pretty strong moral failure. So there's there's definitely some sense of of judgment in that, I feel like. But in the end it's like it's not clear that uh that the uh main characters I I'm sorry guys, I don't remember his name. Um and there's probably someone listening to this who's like, oh his name is blah blah. I, I I just can't I don't remember what it is. But um our priest character, he makes a decision based I feel like more out of like not wanting to live a life of hurting people, but I, I don't know that he's resolved for himself exactly what it is he believes in, in, in any sort of like theological sense. And I don't know that he kind of has to, right? Like what, it, what does it mean that he even became a vampire? It's like, that doesn't matter. He just doesn't want to kill people for the rest for, for eternity. He just doesn't want that to be who he is, you know? And who can blame him? Go ahead, I, I, I was wondering where, um, where her sense of morality comes from, like where does the idea come from for her that she can, or that, that she just does whatever the fuck she wants. Like his, his is pretty clearly rooted in like the Catholicism thing. It's, it's rooted in like the Bible says you do this or you do that. Uh, or it's at least inferred, but it makes me wonder where her, thing of just being okay with going out and killing people comes from i mean i think it's really just she finally has a sense of power after being i mean like is it revenge i yeah i don't know it's unlike the world just being angry at everyone and everything because it's not it doesn't have that feeling to it of like like i'll get them it's more of, of like a you know like like a kid in a fucking theme park yeah, well, that's what I'm picturing for me at least is like while while she's she wasn't actually being abused, it's pretty clear that her family situation was bad and that she hasn't had any sense of freedom her whole life. And she certainly they they basically just keep her around the house so that she can eventually marry this guy. Like it's like they it's it, it you know her life is almost like they invested in a future bride for him and they've been cultivating her and now that's where she's at. And so she suddenly has this freedom and then that leads to this uh liberatory like I'm going to do whatever I want and whatever. Um but I don't know. I I I don't know. I don't know how you guys felt. I'm not sure how he feels about that. Like, I, I, I know he thinks it's, you know, not what our other character wants, right? But um, but I don't know that the director is really clear, like, oh, because she's evil in the way that we conceive of that. Like, I, I don't get that much 
judgment of that character in the film. There's like a like a sort of growing up sexual liberation. Yeah. Point that I, I think could be made for that uh, sort of like being a teenager and like rebelling. That's I mean I think that's that's one yeah. explanation. Yeah. I don't know. All, all I know is I really like this movie, guys. I I think there's a lot here, and I think it's one of those films that I don't think uh, director Park or director Chanwook, because I don't remember which is which, uh, I don't think this is something he sat down and was like, all right, let me work in all these themes. You know, I want to deal with Catholicism and I want to deal with morality. I, don't I think he just wrote a story he found compelling. But I think as audiences, like there's so much to layer on here and there's so much to think about. And I don't think if, 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 if someone's not interested in these topics, I don't think it makes the movie bad. But uh, but I just think there's a lot going on in this like really compelling narrative. You could watch a pretty surface level and just yeah. be like, this is a crazy fucking bloody, ridiculous sex romp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could watch it like that. Like, I, I remember the part that I LOL'd at is when he was playing the, the flute and it's just like fucking shooting blood out of the end of the flute. I just yeah, thought it was fuck. really fucking funny. It, that, that and when he's when they like show him laying on the floor with the the uh fucking IV drip and he's just like like looking straight up and like sucking on the thing that that kind of fucking got me too <laughs> when, he, when he uses the funny. IV drip as the way to show her that he's a vampire that was fucking hilarious there's though. no other way for you to make this point you gotta just lay there and suck it and then she leaves and he just is looking at the door like where he are you going say anything Fuck. he doesn't even say like oh oh I'm a, by the way I'm a vampire he's just like yo I, I really like drinking blood <laughs> I, I'm going to put this out there. I really thought that there was going to be a moment where her being on her period factored into like the blood drinking thing. I agree. Oh yeah, I, agree. I, could, I like okay. I was waiting for that the whole fucking time. Like they just they start like when when he they're they're having sex why am i it's a fucking horror podcast we don't have to pretend uh they're like about to have sex on the bed and and he like feels her up and he's like oh like why are you already wet? i thought that was going to be like uh oh there's there's this other crazy way that we can get blood that i just came up with like sure yeah <laughs> i got it like here we go you know i i really thought that was going to be a thing i, I don't know am i there, the only one on that no there's <laughs> no, there's, no. there's another moment when he when he smells he uh, he smells that she's on her uh, that that she has her period. That's and like the initial one. Yeah, he like gets sick from it. Yeah, he's like, oh, I just have really strong smell, a sense of smell now, and uh, I don't know. I, I I really thought that was going to come up again too. I don't I don't know. I don't know also what the limitations are censorship wise. Like maybe that was there in the plot, and then they had to cut it out. I don't know. I don't know. They can apparently show dick because they yeah. dropped some dong. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I guess we should move on to the next movie. But uh, if you haven't seen Thirst, y'all, you should definitely see it. Absolutely worth seeing. It's so good. I just, I really think it's really, really great and really trippy and interesting. And I guess in some ways, not the most horrorful of horror movies, but I think it's still worth seeing. 
Yeah, I'd watch. I'd right. definitely watch it again. Oh yeah, for sure. This is definitely a a highly recommended movie. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 2019's Thirst. <laughs> we'll be right back. What <laughs> I have arrived, my lord. Mamma said, You open for me. He waited The prophecy shall be fulfilled. Fucking Fucking Back to talk about 2019's Thirst. It's from Iceland. It's from Iceland. Directed by Steinborg Steinporsen and Geikor Olrison. Written by <laughs> Bjorn Bring Your I, I'm not even gonna this is insulting to Norway. This is this is insulting to Scandinavians and people of the Icelandic descent. Um, Liam, I can't believe you fucking picked this movie and made me watch it. <laughs> it makes me so angry. This was your idea. I am upset with you. What the fuck, Liam? Uh... Listen, I I knew like two things about Iceland uh, before before seeing this. Okay. Um, and this movie confirms both of them. Oh wow! One, one, Iceland is a place and it exists. Sure. And two, they love penises. 
<laughs> love them. Fucking love them. So much so. So much so. I was going to go to Iceland for vacation one year. We, did, we didn't wind up going. But one of the big tourist things, like, there's like four fucking things you can do in Iceland. Are you about one to talk of, about the penis museum? You're fucking goddamn right. I'm going to talk Hang about the phallological museum. Okay. Sorry about that. My, I had to check on my grandfather real quick. Uh, we were just talking about the penis museum. Do you know about this, Justin? Excuse me, the uh, phallological museum. Thank you. <laughs> I'm vague, vaguely familiar with it, yeah. If people haven't seen the uh, documentary, The Final Member, uh, it's well oh. worth watching. Yeah, it's about the, the search for the final penis, Justin. You see, he has a full collection almost of animal penises from around the world, but there is one animal whose penis he has not gotten for his museum. Is it man? I bet it's man. It's man. It's totally man. It's got to be man. It's man. How does he not have a? How does he not <laughs> yeah. have one of those? He's waiting for someone to donate their penis. How has nobody donated their fucking dick yet? That well, seems crazy to me. The fact that neither one of you has seen this documentary makes me not want to say a single other word because whatever you think the movie's going to be, it's more ridiculous than that. So you have to see it. It's I it's, just. Hilar- it's an amazing documentary. The final. I imagine member. he's looking for the best penis. Like he's looking for the that, perfect member. Nope, not the issue. You'll. I, you got to see it. You got to see it. It's unbelievable. <sighs> Anyways, uh, all that to say, yeah, there is a lot of uh, fake dick in this movie. Um, lots of throwing around of rubber penises. Um, okay, floppy let, fake dick. Let's just. You know, I guess when you are padding for time, you give a synopsis of the movie. So uh, (laughs) this is a movie about an old gay vampire. And uh, while he's getting... That looks like the singer from Venom. Yeah. And while he's getting... Or Pentagram. (laughs) Yeah. The whole time I watched it thinking that it was the dude from Pentagram. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, And then there's a woman who has a tough life, I guess. Uh, and her brother died. They never really resolved that shit. And she sees him getting beat up and doesn't know he's a vampire. And so tries to help him. And he's so touched by her trying to help him that he like gets involved in her life. Meanwhile, there's a local crazy evangelical lady who unbeknownst to her is actually a member of a satanic cult. And then basically without even trying, he foils their plan to end the world or something. It's, a very not great movie. And um, <laughs> I, I think there's there are things here that people might be into, like, um, you know, the the fact that the vampire is specifically gay or um, that there's this uh, church group that it turns out is actually a Satan cult or um, the gore aspect. But like there are a lot of things about this movie on paper that should make it more fun and should overcome the other stuff about the movie that's bad, like the script is bad and the filming is pretty bad. And the, the acting act, is the not acting superb. is like almost entirely bad. Um, and yet none of those other things are actually done in any way to overcome the limitations of the film. So like it's not very funny. Uh, the there aren't any funny usage of the dicks. The fact that the vampire is specifically gay is just an excuse for more fake dicks. There's nothing about they don't do anything with that it's, information other than the dicks. Have no, either of you ever? It's, um, what were you going to go say, ahead. Josh? I was going to say I was going to ask if either of you have ever gone to like a theme park 
or a water park or maybe even a show or just some place where you were expected to have fun and you just didn't. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that was that was this movie. It's like you it's expected like, yeah, this sounds ridiculous. Emphasis on the middle part of that word. Um, and <laughs> you just get there and you're like, yeah, I don't really want to be here right now. Like maybe on another day, but it's beautiful out. But like, I don't know. I don't really want to get wet. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing compelling about the film. There's nothing there. There's there's of of all the elements, they're all in a bowl, and there's nothing to sell it to you. I don't, I don't know, Justin. What do you what do you think? So, I think my biggest problem with this movie is that, like you said, they make they make the 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 the, the protagonist gay, and I have a feeling they were trying to be like cool about it but it just came off as like really homophobic almost like he's a gay guy so of course he loves you know he eats dick like it was <laughs> it, it was it was really like like the scene where he eats a dick like a hot dog i was like i actually said out loud are you fucking kidding me right now like it it's so fucking like i don't think they meant it to be no. like yeah but it came off as like Oh, come on. Come. This is 2019. Like you're you're criticizing evangelical Christians like you're doing the right thing there. Like but you're actually you're actually proving their fucking point for them. Like you're actually uh, you're actually agreeing with them in a really weird roundabout way. It's well, just like I they, <sighs> they also take this whole, you know, they're conflating sexuality and drinking blood. In a way that thirst does a little bit too, the other thirst. Um, but they're doing it so that it's like, well, because he's a gay vampire, he can only drink the blood of dudes, right? Only A, that's not vampire lore anywhere. Like vampires, if if the blood drinking is supposed to be sex, vampires are notoriously bisexual, my friends. Or I wouldn't even say bisexual. I would say pansexual, right? Like they yeah. don't give a fuck. If there's a beating heart, they want the blood. What's more is we meet other vampires, <laughs> right? He turns a dude, you know, turns her brother into a vampire. And her brother not only... Uh, drinks the blood of a dude, he then goes and eats his mom. So like, what's that supposed to say? Is that like an yeah. Oedip Oedipal thing? Like what is happening right now? Like, I, I just think the metaphor of it's like, no, he can only drink dude blood because he likes dudes because he's gay. Like, get it? It doesn't work. And it it's not that it couldn't work. Like there is a world where someone could make a script where that mattered, where it was part of the story, where it was more than an excuse to have a dick joke. Yeah, but it's in, called Fright Night. They made it back yeah. in the 80s. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I love you. Yes, that's true. I 100% I agree. Fright, Fright Night is a queer film top to bottom. But uh, this is like it it doesn't matter. It's not important. It, it doesn't actually infect the plot. And eventually it just falls to the side of what the movie seems to actually be about, which is like this uh, cult, but the cult is like not interesting. Like the transition from a crazy lady on TV talking about the end of the world to them actually being Satanists. There's no effort to explain that or make it make sense. You also um, did it, almost like they also did it backwards. Yeah. Like you yeah. did it backwards. Satan is fucking cool. That's the whole, like we all agreed. Satan's fucking cool, man. <laughs> I want to hang out with Satan. I don't want to hang out with God. That, that dude does some shady fucking shit. 
Satan <laughs> killed like three people in the Bible. God, big track record on that shit. True. Literally at one dead. point killed everybody. That's a lot of dead Literally folks. everyone. Well, I mean, I, like the not Id- very, not very cool. God, the idea that like under the surface of this thing that claims to be good, it's actually bad is like, I, I think there's a lot there actually. Um, and I think that that theme could have played out in interesting ways. This film was not if 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 as much time was spent on a single character in this movie, making them a character you would care about, as was put into the pubic hair on the fake dicks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like again, American. And I would actually say like the moment I agree with you, Justin. The moment where the vampire literally pulls a dick out of his pocket to replace the hot dog with and eat it on a bun. I was also like, that's fucking ridiculous. But there's probably a movie where something like that could happen. And because you've been sold on what's going on, you're like, Oh yeah. All right. Dick on the bun. All right, cool. Like it's not that the thing itself is untenable, right? Like when the guy's eating his mom, when the, when the evangelical group turns out to be uh, some sort of, doomsday vampire cult whatever it is each of these elements could work right like it's not like a bunch of dick jokes in and of itself is a bad thing but it's more that the film doesn't justify any of these things and so every element even the ones that maybe could work in other circumstances just end up being shitty because nothing works in the film and it it doesn't come across like oh these are plucky low budget filmmakers. It feels like no one gives a fuck. Like what came across in the movie. And obviously that must not be true, right? If people put in enough time to make the movie, someone cares about it, but it comes across to me as an audience member, as people don't care enough about this movie to make it work. I mean, was there anything redeemable? Did either of you find anything that you were like, okay with? On paper, I thought this sounds like, like Liam said on paper, this is an awesome movie. Um, I th- think the idea of a vampire who was like – at one point he says something. He's like my entire life is just like people – is me killing people before I can – before I get to know them. Yeah. Like there's something interesting there in the idea that someone can be so self-destructive and so like um, hell-bent on keeping people away. Like that's an interesting concept for like a vampire, like this thing that's been alive for like thousands of years. And it's just like, it still wants to get to know people instead of becoming like jaded and cynical. Like that's interesting. That's a cool story. Explore that. Um, That whole scene though, that's what makes that whole scene for me. One of the most frustrating parts of the movie, they pause the movie for two of the main characters to go, actually we do have some motivations. We just haven't bothered to show them to you till now. Oh, well, and then they just move on and you're like, no, that was the movie. You in, 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 in like two sentences to each other, you just poked what was the possible heart of the movie. And then we're just going to move on to bullshit for no reason. Yeah. And it, it was really, it really was frustrating to me because I thought, man, I really wish someone had like invested in this concept a little bit more because it is the shared relationship between these two people, you know, who have kind of found each other. Um, Again, it it, I, it almost feels like there was a script that maybe wasn't terrible, and then they got on set and were like, fuck it, who cares, dicks, and the script just went away. 
Well, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Isn't that scene also said to the woman that's the main character? Yes. yes. So it doesn't fucking matter. It, it, it kind of proves your point again because he doesn't kill women. So he can fucking hang out and get to know her until she dies. Right. So it's, right. it's not like it, it, it just proves your point that like it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't like it, it doesn't matter. Fuck. This is this is this is uh, I have always been fascinated by horror films that are about human beings becoming involved with vampires and how they deal with it. Um, I think last year's My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, I think that was an amazing movie. Um, Actually, we should should pause on that for a second and say, we saw it last year. I think it's actually becoming widely available now. Like, I think it's coming out now. So if you haven't seen it, we highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, And then stuff like uh, Let Me In, or let the right one in or whatever. Um, I, I, I love the idea of like normal people coming face to face with this like inhuman thing and how they deal with it. And there being like a real story there. That's more than just like fucking horrifying blood and guts. Like, I mean, you could argue that that's what the lost boys is. Uh, but this that's be... what twilight is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- like <laughs> very true. Um, but this movie just, it, it just, I don't like, okay. My problem with this movie is the same problem I had with like shit ass metalcore bands in the early aughts. It doesn't, this, they don't sound like anything. Like they don't, it just, it's just noise. Like, and this is just a movie that's just bullshit for the sake of bullshit with that one moment that's just in there, like, just to kind of give you the middle finger, like, oh no, there actually is like a competent possible nugget of goodness in this story. But like, we, we, we'd rather show like a fake dick being thrown down uh, at a cop and then the other cops call him a cocksucker because it's funny. It, it, it just, this, this movie just doesn't, it just like, it, it feels like it doesn't really have a reason to exist beyond like just merely wanting to be like check it out like i i don't know it just doesn't have anything to say and i think that's the, the worst kind of movie yeah the, uh, i also in trying to not see anything i did catch the like the the tagline at the top of the the, the poster for this movie and they they also bill it as a zombie movie and yes it, it's not really. It's very. It's not enough zombie movie to fucking put it as a tagline. Yeah, there's there's one. I mean, okay, so there is part of vampire lore where if you like, if they try to turn someone who's been dead too long, they're more like a mindless zombie. This is one character, and it results in one very poorly done intestine eating scene where he's eating his his own mother, and. It's not it doesn't make it a zombie movie that this one failed vampire is kind of more like a zombie than a vampire. It's whatever. You know what? Here's the thing, Justin. I'm not against us shitting on movies on this podcast. We've definitely shitted on movies before. But this movie is like so not well known that I don't even want to spend more time just like taking a crap on it because no, it's like I, I want to say one more thing. I want to say ahead. one more thing that makes this movie unforgivable. Okay. The fucking ADR in this movie for them eating food. Oh, gosh. I like. I I I wanted to fucking cut my own throat while while watching this. Oh, somebody was, went to town with a fucking pot of mac and cheese. And, yeah, and celery. Oh, God, that was hard. That, like, like none of that was necessary. Like, it just it it reminded me of like 
Dead Alive, if Dead Alive wasn't good. Yeah, that's actually true. That's a that's an actually a really good comparison. It's like uh, the same sort of grossness, but not done out of uh, out of like uh, a brilliant attempt to gross you out. It's just poorly done. Yeah, not endearing at all. Gross, gross. All right, hey, you know what? I don't know about you guys. I'm ready to move on from this from this movie. <laughs> to I'm talk fine. about the, the the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer, I am so excited about that. Oh yeah, my let's, god! Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that thing. Yeah. That's the thing we should do. <laughs> Liam, are you ready for that? Yo, here's the here's the deal. I'm less excited than you are, but I am still kind of excited. Are you Come actually on, excited? Or are you are you are, are you bullshitting? He's really excited. Okay, because well, my my actual excitement could be clouding what is sarcasm. <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. Um, I hated Carnage so much as a kid. What? Whatever, man. It's a the fucking character. Whack. You hated the character. I Carnage? hated the character until about six or seven years ago. Out of your mind. <sighs> what made you? What made you go? Oh yeah, now Carnage is cool. Like Carnage USA or, or the Carnage. Carnage Car- uh, it was the. It was the. It was the. The Zeb um, uh, Wells Carnage. No, it was I, – I, I, was it Carnage USA when he comes back from space after Century, like rips him in half and he gets like I the think, robot I legs? So. Yeah, just like how they play – like Cletus Cassidy was just like a normal guy. Not not normal as in like, oh, hello, I'm – you know, but like he wasn't like the Joker in the Marvel Universe. Like he wasn't making dumb puns. It was just like, oh, this is unsettling and it feels the way like an actual like serial killer would talk. Um yeah, I mean, but it's it's also like comparing Carnage in the '90s when when Marvel's at the fucking top of their game, and they probably got to be a little careful about, about like what they put out there because parents are going to get all fucking upset, and they still have the Comics Code Authority, yeah, like, like looming over their shoulders that they can't actually go that far with Cletus Cassidy. However, DC is totally fine with having the Joker beat Robin to death with a fucking crowbar for, you know, six panels or whatever. Yeah. Um, Marvel definitely was not ready to do that. They And they they never really did anything that far, like similar to the, the Joker thing, I think, until the Comics Code Authority is done away with. Yeah, I mean, I just – I don't know. It, it, it always like – I wrote about it a long time ago um, that a lot of people when I was younger, they were just like Venom is a shitty character because he's just a bad Spider-Man. So was Carnage just the worst Venom, a worse vent, like a, well, an even worse Spider-Man? And like my take on it was always that like Cletus Cassidy was the ultimate vision of Spider-Man twisted because he was he was great power with no responsibility. If that makes any yeah. sense. Well, if anything, Venom is a shitty spawn, not a shitty Spider-Man. <laughs> Very true, yeah. Um, but no, I don't know. Like this, th- but I also don't tra- agree with that. I-, I was, I was like, you know, lukewarm on it. Like I love Woody Harrelson. I think he'll be great. But that trailer they dropped yesterday, like the way Carnage moves and looks, I was just like, oh fuck, this is gonna be, this is gonna be awesome. It's definitely definitely way way more based on all the the Carnage USA and and um yeah what what was the one where he has like a family uh that was that was Maximum Carnage when he had like Shriek and the doppelganger no no and all no that. like like more recently he has like an actual family yeah. of like Carnages yeah. and it's yeah. it, 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 I think I want to say it's called like 
you know, carnage, like family values or something like that. Oh shit. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Was that the one where he takes over that small town and like yes, everyone gets, yes, yes. Yeah. Maybe okay, that's carnage yeah. USA. I think that, that might is, be carnage yeah, that USA. Is carnage. yeah. I just want to, uh, step in and say, I love that you two are nerding out about something that I could not possibly care about oh, fuck because, you. because it's, I'm, I'm always the one doing that. I'm never the one who's on the outside going, Oh, I, I you know, and that, that it's cool to be like that. Cause I'm like, I've just never been into well any of this, the new car, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the King, the King in black, the new like venom John, uh, my coworker is famously anti all things symbiote. He's like, Venom sucks, Carnage sucks, it's all fucking whack. It represents the worst thing about Marvel. Uh, Which is what? Just like the his his argument is it's a shitty holdover from the nineties when they went extreme. And I'm like, You're wrong, but okay. You're wrong because because Carnage was not fucking made in the nineties. Carnage was made in the late eighties, and the late eighties are very different from say 1992 1993 marvel but, but you could definitely say that uh carnage rode the wave carnage yes venom no yeah venom didn't know but i just feel like that for me i always put venom and carnage in the same boat as the punisher as comics i just wasn't interested in they just oh. were never interesting to me i mean to be fair not a big Spider-Man person either, so a new Spider-Man villain wasn't going to sell, sell me on that comic anyway. Well, yeah, all I'm saying that. is is that the new the newer Venom stuff with the whole like Church of the uh, what is it called the Church of the Living Darkness or whatever, and like Null, the Ultimate Symbiote, and all that shit. I'm fucking ready for that. The the like the the like chaos god kind of thing. Yeah, the weird like. That's cool. He he's the one who cut off the head of the of the celestial that made nowhere. Yep. Yep. Like, I'm fucking into that. And and there's there's a lot of speculation that that's gonna that that that's in Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah, the, there's the a new, lot of speculation the, they're gonna go there. Well, the new the the villain in Thor: Love and Thunder is Gore the God Butcher who wields that story the, was so fucking good. Yeah, so I'm ready for it. There's like four – four is really generous. There's like three really good Thor stories and and the, the gore, the God Butcher one is definitely in the top three. I could fuck with that. You know, like it, it's like the, the Beta Ray Bill stuff is fucking great. Um, some of like the, the you know kind of funny like uh, frog Thor stuff is, yeah. is enjoyable. Um, and then the, the – God butcher thing is like crazy. And I've read like stories and interviews where around the Marvel office, like that story came up, the, the, the God butcher story came up and people in the office were like, Oh my God, like someone made another good Thor story. Like it, they said it couldn't, <laughs> they said it couldn't be done. And everybody was just like, like, okay, like wh what happens next? Where do we go next? What's happened? What happens next? Like everyone was on board even in, in the office for that. It just makes me want to reread re Siege at the end when he beats the shit out of Sentry, like to the point of like, and then throws his body into the sun. Like, I remember reading that and being like, yeah, they um they did that. Yeah, and like I think Marvel has a really good way of reinventing a lot of characters. Um, like I thought Agent Venom was fucking cool. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that 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 he you know he doesn't have legs. He he. The, the Venom symbiote like gives him all of the pieces of him that are that are broken and he winds up 
being like a special ops, you know, secret agent kind of mercenary character. Like, that's fucking awesome. Hell yeah. How about you, Liam? How, how, do, how do you feel about I, I like I don't want to do read you, any I comics. Oh, I read a lot of comics. I've just never liked Spider-Man. What do you this read? Is not my vibe. Uh, nowadays, I'm more of like a image uh, person than I am a Marvel person. Although I have started reading the X-Men stuff because one of my co-hosts on the flight stuff was like, yo, the newer X-Men stuff's really cool, whatever, whatever. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. But like I haven't the, really. The House of X that that whole thing. Yeah, she was like, go back. I mean, she's reading all the newest stuff as well. But she was like, go back to the to the OG and or, you know, like the very first Claremont stuff. And start. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I have I have all that. I mean, I stopped reading X Men probably. Boo boo boo! Just just before what was the name of the character that was like. Uh, uh, Onslaught. Just before Onslaught stuff started, I stopped reading right. X Men. But um, yeah, I've just more. I'm I'm not really haven't really read a lot of superhero stuff. Uh, current superhero stuff for a long time, other than Invincible. So I mean, what else? Which like that's yes, it is. It is about as superheroes you can get, but it's like that's not even the focus of that book. No, no, definitely not. No, no, no. Like, uh, well, and a bunch of my shit just got canceled, right? Because I was reading East of West. I was reading The Wicked and the Divine. I was reading uh, Harlow County. I was reading um, Paper Girls. And they all ended it. Like, more than half of my pull box just went away. And then I moved. And I don't have a new shop. So I haven't set up a new box anywhere. So I don't... Mm. I, I keep going to the shop and buying number ones and waiting for something to, like, sink in enough that I go, I need a box because I need to get these fucking things. And, it, like, nothing has really, like, stuck the landing for me yet. Uh, so I've I've been, you know, thinking about stuff I missed. Like, I had some of the early Black Science stuff, and I haven't read it in a while. I was seriously just about to say, like, I bet you picked up Black Science. I bet you picked I up... Did. I bet you picked up Sweet Tooth, which is an image, but it fucking might as well be. I never read Sweet Tooth, but I have oh, watched so the good. first couple episodes of the show, and I haven't gotten into the rest of it yet. But I hear it's really good. It's uh, fucking phenomenal. I mean, I've, I was – like the things I collected the most of is like I did Walking Dead and Invincible. I have a, like almost every Hellboy adjacent thing, like everything in the you know uh, universe of that I have. Uh, I had like I was into Why the Last Man when that was going and um, I did Ex Machina. Did you say East of West? Yeah. Uh, um, still doing Saga like uh, if it comes back. Um, you ready for a hot take? Yeah, go ahead. You're both sitting, right? Yeah. OK, I don't give a flying fuck about Saga. I mean, I don't think that's Couldn't a hot. Care less. I don't think that's a hot take. A lot of Dude, people, people I know don't fucking like it. really. I've not. Maybe <laughs> the people that that like it are just so fucking vocal that I think that everyone likes it, and and I'm probably a bit subject to that thing where like, uh, you know, you don't listen to a band for that you might even like, but just because everyone tells you how much you, sure, you would yeah. like them or whatever, like maybe I'm subject to that. So I'm. I, I went into it with a chip on my shoulder, but I tried to be objective about it. And I was just like, okay, the characters curse a lot. Like that's cool. I do too, but that's <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't really make it like a good fucking book. Oh man. It sucked. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I, uh, 
There's you're a big Brian K. Vaughn guy. Yeah. Well, it's if you funny. Read, like why the last man too. And yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I didn't think I was like, I read why the last man. And then I didn't really dig on X Machina at first. And then I was like, nah, Vaughn, he's fine, whatever. And I actually went back after, saga came out and was like i was like eh, maybe i do like this dude more i totally rocked paper girls i thought paper girls was great and then i went back and finished out my because i had the first like three trades of ex machina so i finished that out and i got into that as well so i guess i am a brian k vaughn guy now but i you know after a while the last man i'm like this guy seems pretty cool but the first two trades of Ex Machina like did not grab me and it wasn't current when I found it. It was like already over. So I was like, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll come back to it sometime. And I just didn't for a long time. Uh, but yeah, I mean like I definitely, the, I was very much like just buying trades uh, off of the internet and then finally found a shop I liked and like they helped me get caught up to monthlies so that I could start having like a pull box and stuff. But that took a little while. And that was that was only like eight years ago that I switched yeah. from just buying trades. So and there's still stuff I'll get like that comes out like, um, oh, I do a lot of uh, Ed Brubaker, Sean. What is his last name? You know, uh, the Fatal dudes. Yeah. Ed yeah, 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 yeah. Phillips. I know who you're talking Sean about. Sean Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of just try to follow anything they're doing. And they're doing a series of trades right now, like like. Uh, every couple of months, so I'm trying to keep up with those as well because I like I like them a lot. But when it comes to the 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 big two, I haven't bought anything in a while unless it was very specific. Uh, so like um, the Batman and Robin stuff when Bruce Wayne died, but it, that's just because I like that artist. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I I came onto Brubaker from the Captain America run. Oh sure, yeah. Which I I really fucking loved, and it was like, like right after the the Winter Soldier, so it was the end going back from the Winter Soldier into kind of normal Captain America continuity into Bucky becoming Captain America, which I was so on board for. I, yeah, I never um, I never read that that the Brubaker run where. Oh, it's so um, good. Yeah. Uh, we should perhaps end our horror podcast before we talk about more comic books. <laughs> can, we start the, right. can we start the comic book podcast now? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you got some co-hosts and a cool name, let me know. We uh, we used to have my Alpha Flight podcast, but that's going away. So now I'm, all, I'm looking for another one. I mean, we have Tomb of Ideas, which is the uh, Marvel horror podcast, but uh, we don't have oh, like fun. a... We don't have like a superhero podcast other than the now defunct flight stuff. So that'd be cool. Well, just I mean, even just like not superhero stuff, because yeah, like recently I got I got over like quarantine. I got super into two things. I got super into uh, Strangers in Paradise and and then subsequently everything else that um, that artist has done whose name is escaping me. And I got super into Stray Bullets. And I've just been dying to talk to someone about Stray Bullets. Oh, man. I've never read it. And it was. Dude, I, I envy that, really you, that you've never. I envy that you've never read it because that means that you get to read it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's. Let's. Uh, we should. I mean, if you can find people to do it, I think a comic book podcast would be really cool. But we should wrap up. Uh, right. Hey, Josh. Uh, 
I hear tell that your band has a new EP out. Is that true? This is true. Yay. It's called Visitation, right? That is what it is called. You want to say anything about it other than that people should buy it from you? It fits with the themes of today's two movies of Uh not being uh about vampires, but being uh, pretty heavily influenced by Catholic imagery and uh-huh. Catholic Catholic funerals specifically. Ooh. Being that I was raised Catholic, I went to a lot of those fucking things. And it's gross. <laughs> it's always fucking weird and gross. Yeah, yeah. It's a very I, morbid and just disgusting thing that we do. I mean, it's I I have I think the 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 rights of people dying, like figuring out some way to do something about that is very significant. But I find a lot of what people do very strange. And it's it's this weird thing where I'm like, it's good that we as a culture do something. I don't know that this is the thing we should be doing, but we should yeah. do something. Uh, it's, it's a funny thing, because if you step back and look at what a funeral is, it's you. Normal people wouldn't do that. Normal people wouldn't all gather and look at a dead body. That's 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 like, you know, that's weird. That's that's something that happens in a a Stephen King novel. Well, and especially one that we have pumped full of chemicals and then painted. So it looked like it was kind of like it's not. Yeah. To make it look like it's not fucking dead. Yeah. No, I was just just sleeping. Never had that thought. Never once have fucking been to a funeral and been like, they look so natural. No, they don't. No, they don't. I was discussing this recently, actually, with my uh, wife, who is a uh, Presbyterian pastor, and I was telling her how confused I am by the the pumping the body full of chemicals. I'm like, this doesn't have to do with the bodily resurrection, right? Like, if that's real, the last thing you want is your body filled with a bunch of junk. Like, <laughs> like obviously, whatever that if that was a, if that's a real thing, then whatever that means must mean a total transformation. Because what you're saying is, oh, except for people who died in a fire, they're fucked. Sorry, guys. If you didn't get the special death chemicals, then you don't get to live in, in eternity. Our bad. Sorry, y'all. My bad. Oh, you got eaten by a shark? Yeah, you're fucked too, man. Sorry. Only the people with makeup and chemicals and a nice suit or dress on get to come to the party. Our bad. It's like nothing about it like makes sense. It doesn't like like it's not just that it doesn't make sense from a logic standpoint. That's obvious. It doesn't even make sense from any sort of church standpoint. Like nothing None of it works where you're like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, our focus is really on the next life. So let's make this corpse look really pretty before we throw it in the ground. What the fuck yeah. is going and, on and I, in, in, a, think, in a twenty thousand dollar box, by the way? Yep. And that's my next point is which I, I, I was going to make, which is I think that funerals are a lot like every other engagement, every other major engagement that we have as a as a people, as a society where it's like you're getting married. It's going to cost you a minimum of fucking 30 grand. And that's, yeah, like that's just what it is. And we're all okay with doing that. Oh, you have to buy an engagement ring and this is going to cost another fucking 10 grand on top of that or however. I don't even know how much a fucking engagement ring costs because I wouldn't buy one. But any of these things, like you're going to go to college, college is expensive and we're all just okay with that. So I feel like this school drugs EP is, uh, uh, fun jams about not fun topics. Oh, definitely. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty steeped in in darkness and loss. That's the that's the general theme. It's just kind of filtered through the imagery of of 
funerals and Catholic funerals specifically. So where should people go to, to acquire one? Is that your website? Is that, uh, is it, uh, are you guys, is this one on what, what label does this come out on? Indecision. Okay. Should, should people buy it there? Should they buy it from y'all? What's the, yeah, they, send can, people? they can, they can go to the school drugs band camp, school drugs.bandcamp.com, or they cool. can go to indecisionrecords.com. They can follow us on the Instagram at, 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 at school drugs NJ. They can find us on the Facebooks. Um, it. You're plugging away. You're doing it, buddy. I'm feeling it. They can come to my house and I can <laughs> bore them with discussions like this. Um, where, can they, where, where can they follow you on? Where can they follow you on Instagram? On Friendster? Oh, me. <laughs> me personally. Um, I don't – I have one. It's at Josh Jerk, J-U-R-K, but I, I never actually use it. The only picture – and I'll – I'll tell you guys what it is. I, I would prefer if you went and looked at my Instagram and told me what the only image <laughs> on my Instagram is, but I uh, fear that we don't have time for that. So I'll just explain it. Um, the only image that's up on my on my Instagram is uh, I was at a friend's house at a barbecue, and it was the same day that Chris Evans' dick pic got leaked to the internet. Sure, sure. So my picture is me holding a hot dog in the exact same way that Chris Evans is holding his cock in his <laughs> nude that he self-leaked. Did he self-leak that? Yeah, it's like a video of him scrolling through like uh, when you you know like tape everything that you're doing on your phone. So it's sure. like a video of him like scrolling through his like pictures and shit and there's like – a little square of his schlong. Ugh. It's like this, like black and white, like picture of, of him kind of like holding his, 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 you know, dong there. And, uh, I'm running out of words to call your penis. So, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Dude, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me dudes. Yeah. All right, so that's the episode. You can head to cinepunks.com for more episodes of this podcast and other podcasts, including Liam's other podcasts boo, that he's on. Boo. Uh, you can also head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks to become uh, patrons of ours. You should go check out Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations and Essex Coffee Roasters at their respective websites. And... Um, uh, what, what could I say that'll be inflammatory this time? Hmm. Um, until next time, don't forget that John Landis killed someone who got away with it. Bye! Bye! Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode, we'll share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!